Welcome to the CCF Iowa podcast. Basically, uh, one of the big gifts that I really felt God was telling me from this passage is that a church that functions well has the ability to take care of its members. Um, And I think that's something uh, that is hugely important. Basically, God has designed the church in order that it would take care of one another. And and in this passage, he really starts uh, talking about the family. Um, So, in, in an ideal church, in an ideal setting where, where the church is functioning well, basically the, the family is the ideal unit to take care of one another. Um, so as a mother, I would take care of Noah and Lily uh, because obviously they can't fend for themselves. Um, my parents who are a little bit older are doing really well for themselves. So I don't need to take care of them currently, but um, I have a grandma and some aunts Um, who are much older and in need of care, and so they take care of them. And so the family unit is what God has basically designed in order to take care of the generations below and the generations above. And the cool thing is that a family that takes care of the people in need below and takes care of the people in need above, um, that burden is off of the church in general, um, which opens up the church to be able to to meet some uh, serious needs. The same thing uh, in this church, he talks about that the the young people uh, need to be working and taking care of themselves. Uh, Women and men should be having jobs and making families. Back in this day, it was probably just the men working and the women would have been at home. Um, It's safe to assume in the cultural context that um, God now would say, women, it's okay if you are out in the world making money, you don't just have to sit at home making babies. That's not a requirement to be a good Christian woman. You can go and be faithful and, uh, you know, work as a teacher. You can go work as a minister. You can go and do all sorts of things, but you need to be actively um, pursuing a job so that you can, at some point, help children below you or your parents above you. And so, um, as he mentions a lot of times, as you uh, continue through the passage, um, he talks about these people who are real widows um, and not fake widows. And basically, he, he puts down some stipulations for what the real widows are. He says that they have to be over 60. Um, they have to be people who are helping out in the church um, and basically people with no other family. And so these people fall outside of that uh, check that God has to say, all right, you're going to take care of your family. Well, if you're an older widow who's beyond marrying age, you can't have children. Uh, maybe you never had children. Uh, there's no one left to take care of you. Basically, at that point, there would be no way for you to make money. There would be no one to take care of you. You would be destitute and starving, which would be a terrible, awful situation. And uh, Paul knows that there's a lot of women in that situation. Uh, Women live longer than men, generally. And um, so there were probably several women in that position. And so uh, God basically designed the church to help meet the real needs of the people. And so the church needs to be meeting the needs of people who actually have needs. Uh, We see in this passage that uh, some of the people are taking advantage of the system. Uh, If you go back and read in verse 11, it says, As for the younger widows, do not put them on the list. For when their sensual desires overcome them, overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry and thus bring judgment on themselves. And it continues into a bunch of 
habits or bad habits that they have. Um, he says that they're, they're being idle and they're going from house to house. So they're sitting around watching Netflix. They're going from house party to house party. Let's see, they're busybodies who talk nonsense. And so basically they're sitting on Facebook, gossiping and sharing lies about each other and spreading rumors and being really, really destructive. And, and this is a big problem because for, for these women, um, not only are they taking advantage of the church's benevolence fund uh, because they're of an age where they could marry, um, they're also being really destructive to the church and the body of Christ. Um, so if you were a newcomer from Ephesus and you were to come into this situation and you looked around and you saw all these young women gossiping and partying and, and basically doing nothing worthwhile, um, not working to bring the kingdom of God, you'd be like, I don't, I don't really know if I want to be part of this. Like I can find this out in the world. Like this is normal in my, my regular life. Like nothing looks different. And so their testimony to the people around them starts to be ruined by these women um, who, who are not doing godly things, are not seeking after Christ. Um, they're kind of living rebelliously and again, taking advantage of the church. Uh, there's some thought that these are the same women that earlier in the passage were encouraged to be silent. You know, we, John talked about the fact that this didn't mean, mean that all women should be silent, but there, there's some ideas that these are the same ladies who were creating issues. And so that's why Paul had asked them to remain silent because they were creating so many problems for the church. Um, and so they were, again, taking advantage of the money and hurting the church's testimony to, to the people around them. And so Paul basically says, you need to stop giving them uh, money um, we talked about this in First Corinthians. Basically, you need to cut them off until their actions become right. Uh, you need to rebuke them and then try and reconcile them uh, back. Uh, one of the important things with this is that the church um, is obviously there to meet the physical needs. Paul doesn't say, you know, we're here to make sure that people know about Jesus, but they'll have to go and find food from the government. You know, we're going to we're going to make sure they know Jesus, but these widows, you know, hopefully somewhere in town, someone will take care of them. Um, and so the church is there to meet the physical needs. Paul says that's very important. Like the people who are really in need, we want to make sure that we are meeting these needs of first priority and making sure that the people who really deserve it are on this list. Um, but we also want to make sure that the people receiving the help are um, growing spiritually are growing in maturity of Christ, or people who are giving back into the body of Christ. Um, and that's important because then the body of Christ can grow. And so uh, he mentioned some of the, the attributes of the, the widows who are getting um, the help. Uh, there are people who are uh, praying constantly uh, for the church. There are people who are active in serving the church. Um, and if you're an older lady, I don't know if you guys have some of these at your church. I love these older widows. Like uh, when you're in a Bible study with them, they spend a large chunk of their day sitting, you know, at their table with their coffee, reading the word, studying. They have like huge prayer lists that they just sit through and go through and they pray over every day. You know, they pray for the church, they pray for the needs, they pray for missionaries. Like it is so exciting to talk to these ladies. And these ladies are doing such incredible work that some of us who are just in the regular working world 
don't necessarily always have time to do. You know, we're, we're serving in different ways. You know, Jess works at a church, so, you know, she, she has time to do Bible study and praying, but she's also actively out there with the youth and interacting and, you know, putting together those online meetings and figuring out music and all, all the sorts of stuff. And so Jess has to separate her time in order to also serve God. But these ladies are faithfully going behind her and praying for her and lifting her up and so too in all of our churches. And so uh, to be able to do this work, um, the church then comes back and supports them and says, what you're doing is so important. And we know that there's no way that you can get a job or support yourself. So let us support you as you support us. And so um, that's what the church is called to do is to support those who are supporting the church in their spiritual life. If you would flip over to Ephesians 4, 17, and uh, I just want to kind of show you guys how this is echoed um, in Ephesians as he's talking about it. And just a little context in this chapter, he's basically talking about no longer living like outsiders, like the Gentiles, um, which we've been talking about how they in Ephesus need to look a little different. And so uh, starting in verse 17, if you have it, it says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They have lost all sensitivity and they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are in full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth of Jesus, you were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to make a new attitude in your minds and to put on a new self created to be like God in the true righteousness and holiness. For each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must no longer steal, but must work and do something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. And so basically this is a similar echo to what uh, Paul has been talking about in Timothy. He says, you used to live like this, like the outside world lives like this. They, they follow after sin, they follow after gossip, they follow after um, not having to work, but getting through life easy. And he says, don't be like that anymore. You are called to be a new creation. God has come and he has transformed you and you are to be different. Um, but the neat thing is you're called to be different. And then as you run into other people, you're supposed to share God with them and transform them. And it says in verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must no longer steal, but they must work doing something useful with their own hands so that they may have something to share with those who are in need. So these people, these women who are basically stealing from the church, he said, don't do it anymore, but be active in working, be active in helping in the church, because then as you do that, you have a chance to help those who are really in need. And so um, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't help those outside the church. So we've been talking about a lot about helping those outside the church, 
doing this for people that come to your church. Um, I know Jess probably has people that stop by her church. People stop by North Grand probably fairly often, Andrew. It doesn't mean that we don't meet the needs of those people. Um, but as those people come our way, um, as we find people, I always think of Will, who sometimes would come to our meetings and be like, I don't have money for food, but I'm really hungry. And so we would buy him Panda and things like that. And sometimes it would fall on the floor and we'd buy him second Panda, which makes things a lot better. You know, those things are really good to come and meet the needs because that's a starting point. That's a, that's a point where you get to start to interact with someone, get to know someone. Um, but as you continue meeting those needs for someone who is really in need, um, you really need to start challenging them in their faith walk. Um, so not only meeting the spiritual or the physical, but also starting to meet the spiritual because as they grow in faith and as they grow um, in God, then hopefully they build up this work ethic that allows them to start building resources on their own. And once they start building resources and, and if they have Jesus in their heart at the same time, that means that they will start to pour out and then they can meet the needs of others. They can start to meet the needs of their family. And God will get the glory for this. Um, in Acts 2, it talks about the church meeting every single need and that people were selling things so that every single need was met. And they said that people were added daily because of this. Uh, when the church takes care of those in need well, uh, physically and spiritually, God gets the glory. The church grows and expands. And as more people are brought in, it's able to take care of more people and more people. Um, but we need to be focused both on meeting physical needs and spiritual needs. Certain parts of this are easy. So some of you are like, man, I am a tell people about Jesus, meet the spiritual needs. Like that's my jam. Like for those people, that's super, that, that's awesome. Uh, we need to be doing that. We need to be sharing the gospel. Um, but we can't forget in our zeal to share God to meet the physical needs of those people or maybe the emotional needs of those people. And so sometimes if we're so busy slamming Jesus down their throat, we forget to listen to them. We forget to, to hear them. We forget to see them. And I, and I think that's so important because uh, one of the cool things about Jesus is Jesus is someone who saw people differently. He saw their real needs. Um, he gave them the truth, but he also made sure he met their physical needs. I've been going through Luke uh, this last week and Jesus healed the blind. I mean, he healed a lady who had been bleeding forever. Like Jesus made sure that people knew the gospel, but he also gave them the physical. And then you may be kind of on the opposite spectrum. You love meeting needs. Maybe your love language is gifts. Um, and so if you hear of a need, you're like all over it. You're like, oh, I went to Walmart. I bought all the groceries for the person, or I drove 300 miles to pick this person up from the airport because they said they needed it. Like, that's my jam. That makes me so happy. Like you're a service person and, and you love to do that. Are you also meeting the spiritual needs of those people? Are you feeling bold enough in those moments when you are meeting the physical needs to say, I will pray for you. How can I pray for you? Let's go a little bit deeper. Can I tell you about Jesus as we're doing this? You know, in the Bible, it says Jesus is the bread of life. So as you're feeding them, Jesus is the food that fills you know, as you're, you're giving them a drink after a hot run, Jesus is the living water. Um, and so we need to, in our love for people, in our love for meeting their physical needs, making sure that we're also addressing our spiritual needs, that we love them enough to be telling them the truth of the gospel. Because physical pain is temporary, but heaven is forever. 
uh, eternity is forever. And that's really uh, what we need to care about most. Um, and as Timothy writes this, or Paul writes this to Timothy, that, that is really his point. He's like, these things are temporary, but we need to make sure that people's souls are taken care of. We need to continue to meet the physical needs, but not at the cost of the, the spiritual one, not at the cost of souls lost because of poor actions within the church. And so we need to be aware of both. I hope this week um, that you can pray about that. Um, again, if you're, you're a physical needs person, ask for boldness. Um, ask for God to, to, through the Holy Spirit, give you the strength to step out uh, while you're doing that. Um, if you're a gospel person, ask him to open doors to people who need physical needs so that you have an opportunity to not only meet that need, but also to continue to share God with them. Um, and uh, the scary part is he will be faithful when you ask those things. He, he likes those sort of things. That's in his will. And so he will answer those things. So be aware as you pray that, if you're ready to pray that, if you feel like maybe you're a person who is kind of like the women, who, who feels like you're maybe taking advantage of the church, maybe there's something you need to get right. God wants to hear about that too, because God wants to use you to bless his church, to bless the people around you. Um, so give that back over to God too, because um, he wants to use you in big, incredible ways. Hey, thanks for spending time with us today. If you have any questions about what you heard or any interest in learning more about CCF in Iowa, then please email us at ccf.uiowa at gmail.com and we would love to get you connected.